Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. We have some at-length discussion to be had about basketball, including LeBron versus Giannis for the MVP, Spike Lee's drama with James Dolan and the New York Knicks this past, whatever it was, Monday. Not great. (laughs) Not a great look for the Knicks, but then again, what is these days? And probably wrap it up with, because it's going on right now as I'm recording, uh, one of the MLB all-access games. And what I think about, how I believe that, and what I think about the all-access games and miking up players and just how to grow the game of baseball because that seems to be a, a really big problem right now for the MLB is just getting younger the younger generation involved in the game of baseball it seems like you know what I'm gonna save my thoughts <laughs> I'm gonna save my thoughts until I get to that we'll, we'll wrap up the show with that let's start off with the Spike Lee drama now Spike Lee went on first take on Tuesday yesterday after this happened, he said he immediately called Stephen A. Smith. He wanted to come on the show and discuss what what was going on because he knew because he was trending on Twitter, which he was. And basically, I'll try and simplify this as easily as possible. Spike Lee has been using the same entrance to get into Madison Square Garden to get to his seats, his courtside seats, for thirty years. He is they their highest profile fan by far. You have you got you know you have Jack Nicholson sitting courtside for the Lakers. You have Spike Lee sitting courtside for the Knicks. Those are like the two guys. And everyone knows who Spike Lee is. Every he is the greatest ambassador to New York Knicks basketball. He should be treated with the utmost of care and respect and because he said on first take, he's not sure why this is happening, but he knows that if he's one day late to make his huge deposit for season tick, season Nick tickets, his phone's ringing off the hook the next day. When you look at it in that perspective, like, yeah, they're going to take his money, but then they treat him like this. Anyway, he's been using the same entrance for 30 years. And for some reason, you can go watch his full interview on First Take. He obviously explains what happens in great detail, but he is denied entrance. Uh, He goes through the media and employees' entrance. It's the same entrance he's been using for 30 years. I don't know if it's always been the media and employees entrance, but it's the one he's been going through. And they always let him in. Now, for today, they said policy changed. You have to go use the other entrance for VIPs. And he was annoyed, like, when the policy changed, why, like, why are you giving me such a hard time? Like, just let me through. You know who I am. And, and he says he knows like a lot of the security guys and a lot of the guys who works there who work at MSG because they've been working there for a while and he's been going there, which feels like forever. So he knows a lot of the guys. 
And he is just mad that James Dolan is just... He said he feels like he's being harassed by James Dolan and he does not know why. Now, granted, I think this was thrown a bit out of out of proportion. You know, you don't really need to make a whole big fuss about this. Like, okay, you've been using the same entrance. Now they want to use a different entrance. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal when you put it that way. And it really shouldn't be. However... This is Spike Lee. He is an undying loyalty to the Knicks. A super fan. A guy who has been paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to come to Knicks games for years. And he is a guy who, he apparently, he's been using this entrance forever. If there's a guy you're gonna you're gonna let use an entrance when other people should probably be using the VIP entrance, it's Spike Lee. Like just let him use the entrance. It shouldn't be a big deal on either side. To be fair, like Spike shouldn't really have that big of a deal. It's like okay, they want me to use a VIP entrance, fine. However, if he's been using that same entrance for 30 years and now all of a sudden, without warning, they're not letting him in the stadium and telling him he has to go use a different entrance. I mean, that would kind of piss me off, too, a little bit. And now here's the... This is the... I think, in my opinion, the the bigger problem with what happened. The Knicks... The statement from the New York Knicks regarding the situation, they released this after Spike Lee went on first take. And that... And, you know, the interview that he had with Stephen A and Max started making their rounds. This is a statement from the Knicks PR Twitter. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed upon last time, or what him and G- Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. Um, Spike said, that, I don't think, I think Spike said they never shook hands. Uh, all Apparently, James Dolan uh, walked up to him and said, we need to talk. And uh, Spike said, you'll have to ask him while he, why he's doing this, why it's becoming a big deal. I don't know. I mean, Spike Lee definitely accelerated this this drama and the next the PR statement is is correct in one point um I don't know if it was false controversy but he's definitely definitely perpetuating drama and he's he's making it a, a huge deal he is and it shouldn't be a big deal but I guess to spike it is a big deal that's all um and you know no one likes James Dolan so like you're gonna take Spike Lee, Spike Lee's side because James Dolan really has no backbone to lean on as far as like should whose side you should take. He doesn't have a great track record, so obviously everyone's gonna take Spike Lee's side. But here's the thing: if you're not into media or PR, this statement is not 
from I mean this this is not this is not a statement from a professional PR guy. This is not like there is nothing. This is an aggressive shaming attack of a PR statement on Spike Lee. There's there's nothing in here about how they uh love how he's been a fan for so many years and he's one of their most loyal customers and fans and they they uh they welcome him in the garden at all times with open arms and they they wish he they hope he comes to more games and there there's no even like a hint of apology it's just attack spike the idea that spike lee is a victim uh, it's laughable. The The fact that it says is laughable is for the whole entire thing. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to use our employee entrance instead of use a dedicated VIP entrance is laughable. That this is not the, the tone with which this PR statement from the Knicks is written is not, it, it is, it is aggressive. It is attacking and the the language that is used is not something that is used when handling from a PR perspective while handling the the a disgruntled fan this is not how you go about this this makes me feel like J- James Dolan went to his PR guys and said write this and then they just published it and that was it this does not sound like it was done by someone who has a career in PR. It just doesn't. Which is obviously, you know, a whole other problem in and itself. I, I just... The whole situation could have been avoided and kind of kept under wraps. Spike Lee now saying that he's done with the Knicks for the remainder of the year. Not a great look. You do not want your best fan and your most high-profile fan to... I mean, he's quitting. You don't You don't really need that. Like, the Knicks do not have anything going for them. The only thing that... Monday night was a good night for the Knicks. They beat the Rockets. R.J. Barrett had a career-high tying 27 points. They played well. And... They led the entire game. Like I said, they played well. No one cares about that. Obviously, no one cares about the Knicks winning. No one cares about anything the Knicks are doing. Now, the entire thing is circling around Spike Lee and James Dolan in this drama. And like I said, there aren't many people who are going to take James Dolan's side. Can you look at this objectively and say, okay, well, James Dolan is and his policies are kind of dumb because this is Spike Lee. Like, just let him use whatever damn entrance he wants. And on the other hand, it's Spike Lee kind of really making this a drama-filled endeavor over an entrance. And him saying, like, arrest me like my brother Charles Oakley. (laughs) That's a little much, okay? They're not going to arrest you. But it it was... Listen, the tr- he made the point about the Charles Oakley thing. Of course, this is not the first time that James Dolan has 
done something that a lot of people don't agree with to someone who is very close to the Knicks organization. Obviously, Charles Oakley is a beloved former player and someone that you want to be an ambassador for the Knicks. James Dolan banned him from Madison Square Garden. That ban has since been lifted, but he banned him from Madison Square Garden. I believe that was like a couple years ago now. And that ban just got lifted. So he makes an enemy out of Charles Oakley, and now it seems like he is making an enemy out of Spike Lee. And listen, like, come on, dude. Like, that's not okay. And this is the point where if you look at both sides objectively, yes, could each side have just said, okay, whatever? Yes. However, the both people on each side, James Dolan and Spike Lee, these are not the type of people to just, you know, roll over and and say okay. James Dolan is not the type of guy to just be like to if he he's like if he doesn't get his way that is a problem. He is selfish in that way. Spike Lee is Spike Lee. He's going to do what he wants. He's a he's a well-accredited director and a uh, producer and a guy who has been a Knicks fan for 30 years. He feels like he's like, I give you hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year, regardless of how good the team is. And he comes to the games every single year. And he he's a high profile celebrity outside of just the Knicks. If he's been using the same entrance for 30 years, he's gonna use the same damn entrance. You can't tell him otherwise. And I understand that part. But again, James Dolan is a guy who's not going to budge, even for someone like Spike Lee. So you have two immovable objects, really, um, going head-to-head with each other, and it's just going to cause for for drama. Who knows how, uh, how long that's going to play out, but it was certainly a bit of controversy, especially if you are a Knicks fan or you live in New York. It was... It was something that the video circulated late Monday night uh, after everything happened. Spike Lee said he called up Stephen A. Smith. And of course, 10 a.m. or whatever it was, 11 a.m. on Tuesday morning, there was Spike Lee on first take with Stephen A. talking about what happened last night. And you had to have seen that coming. Had to have seen that coming. Like I said, Spike said that he is done with the Knicks for the year. We'll see if that rings true, if he keeps his word on that. Very disappointing if he does. Uh, big loss. You, you got you to gotta think that at some point, Spike Lee and James Dolan will, will meet and have a conversation about, a real conversation about what happened. Hopefully it blows over because the Knicks losing Spike Lee would uh, not be great put it that way. All right, the next bit of NBA news. This is something that the mainstream media has really been pushing the past several weeks. Uh, and it's been heating up recently because on Friday, the Lakers and the Bucks are playing on Friday night. And the storyline I'm talking about is LeBron versus Giannis for MVP. Now, the media is kind of shaping it up this past week that 
the MVP could come down to LeBron and Giannis playing each other this Friday. First of all, the idea that an MVP race is going to come down to a meeting where they play twice a year. Play once in Milwaukee, they play once in Los Angeles. They already played in Milwaukee. Friday, the Bucks are at the Lakers. At least I, I think they already played in Milwaukee. I assume. It's pretty late in the year. And this game is going to be in Los Angeles at 10.30 on Friday. So, I, the, I mean, the idea that it's the MVP comes down to this game is ridiculous. It, it doesn't come down to this game. However, if you really want to talk about it, I think it's closer than a lot of people are really making it out to be. Uh, a lot, there are many mainstream media guys out there that just say Giannis is he's he's the runaway MVP. I do not think it's a runaway. I do think Giannis is going to win it. One because he won the MVP last year. He's the reigning MVP, and his numbers are better. He he's just a he's a better basketball player this year than he was last year. And his team is better. He has the, he's playing on the best team in the league. The Bucks are 50 and 8. They just lost they just had their eighth loss in Miami the, the other night where they they kind of got throttled by Miami, but listen, that happens. It happens. So Giannis is having a great year. And there is there is a uh, an argument that was brought up by Kendrick Perkins that I, I want to address myself because I kind of agree with him. But first, let's just look at the stats. Okay, numbers do not lie. Giannis, in just over 30 minutes per game this year, he's 30.9 minutes per game, he is shooting 55% from the field, 31% from three, up from 25 last year, doubling his attempts also, which is very, very important. He averaged 2.83 points, three-pointers a game last year, shooting 26% for rounding up. This year, on 4.7 three-pointers a game, he's shooting 31%. Percentage is up, attempts is up. That's good. His efficient field goal percentage is around the same. He was 59, he was 60% last year. It's 59% this year. Uh, his free throw percentage is down 10 points. The only blemish really in his game so far is that his free throws uh, are very bad. 73% last year, 63% this year. Not great. His rebounds are up 13.8 from 12.5 last year. His assists are the game at 5.9. He's still averaging a steal and a block per game uh, and just around 3.5 turnovers, which is not bad at all. And his points are up 2 points from 27 to 29.6. So his numbers are better. He's just as efficient. The only thing bad in his game is free throw percentage. Sounds a lot like LeBron, honestly. Like LeBron in his career, like he just got better every single year. The only thing that really was not great in his career was his free throw percentage. He shot mid 70s, mid to low 70s every single year. And then 60 a couple times. He's shooting 69% this year. He shot 66% last year. Now let's look at LeBron. LeBron at eight. That's LeBron. That's Giannis at age 25. 
LeBron at age 35 is averaging in, in 35 minutes per game. He's, he's playing five more minutes per game than Giannis is. He's shooting 35% from three on six attempts. His efficient field goal percentage is 55%. Like I said, his field goal percentage is not great. It's 69%. He's averaging a double-double with 25.4 points a game and 10.7 assists a game. Probably going to average a double-double for the year. I don't see that going down. He's also averaging 7.8 rebounds. So career high in assists, he's going to average a double-double for the first time in his career at age 35. He's averaging a steal and half a block a game. He's shooting 50% from the field also, by the way. 49.497, so 50%. I personally give it to Giannis. Again, I mean, they're both averaging double-doubles. Giannis has the best team in basketball. LeBron has the second-best team in basketball, though. Like, it is... Way closer than, and if you take all the the variables, like, LeBron's 35. He's 35 years old and he's doing this. If you take him off the Lakers, the Lakers are the sixth seed, maybe. Probably the seventh. They're not that good with just Anthony Davis. They just aren't. LeBron is the most valuable player on that team in the league. Every team he goes to, he makes better. Like It just is what it is. Giannis won MVP last year. His team's better. His numbers are better. That should mean he should probably win MVP this year. However, here is the argument that Kendrick Perkins brought up that I thought was very interesting. LeBron was snubbed really for years though those he was snubbed about I would say throughout the course of his career he has a he has four MVPs he was snubbed of MVP probably two to four times minimum of two maximum of four because he was in the east how many times when the like a lot of people's arguments for whatever reason LeBron went on a stretch of eight straight finals so many times people were like well he's in the east his path to the final is easy Giannis is in the east why is why did LeBron get penalized for being in the eastern conference and dominating it for years and not getting MVPs for, for the past, what was it, five MVP awards have gone into the into the West Be, uh, before Giannis last year? Who was it? Harden, Westbrook, Curry, Curry, Durant? I think that's it. I think that's it, actually. So you have, and then I think Le, it was before Durant, it was LeBron in Miami. So you had all those guys win MVPs. And I'm not saying that they didn't deserve it. That is, like, I'm not saying those guys didn't deserve it. Obviously, they deserved it. But LeBron, like, the, he doesn't, even though he's putting up MVP numbers during those years, he was never considered it. James Harden, uh, well, Giannis won it last year. Okay, fine. 
James Harden won the year before that. Scoring champ. Guy was a beast. Russell Westbrook won the year before that. Triple-double. Steph Curry, unanimous MVP. Best team in the in NBA history. Regular season. Most wins of all time. Yes. Stephen Curry, 2014. That one's debatable. That one's a little debatable. Then it was Durant. Then it was LeBron, LeBron. D-Rose. I mean, D-Rose should not have won the MVP. Super cool that he did. 22 years old. Youngest MVP ever in the history of the NBA. Awesome. Awesome. LeBron had a better season. And then LeBron won before that and before that in Cleveland. Kobe, Dirk, Steve Nash, Steve Nash, whatever. Now, you can make an argument one or two times there. LeBron had a better season than the guy who actually won the MVP. I'm not saying he should have. But, the MVP aside, he he was... Penalized for being in the East so many years. When he was when he returned to Cleveland, those four years, when he, well, whatever it was, three years, four years, five years, I don't even remember how many. They all kind of blend together now. Um, when he was in Cleveland, the second stint, going to the the finals every year with Cleveland, it felt like he was penalized. Like, oh, of course, like LeBron's gonna make it to the finals again. Like, no one challenges him in the East. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. And now he's in the West. The conference that everyone said was way better than the East. And it feels like he's still not getting recognition. Like people are now, you know, when does when does the same treatment kick in for Giannis? Like if the Bucks don't make it to the finals, what happens? Like that's a, that's got to be, that's a huge disappointing year, right? There's, you know, there's just narratives built around every player. Um, that being said, like, this is the year for the Bucs. Like, they have to show something. They got to, if, even if, if they don't win the finals, they got to get there. Or they, they got to come, like, one game close or something. Like, they have to come really, really close. They can't have the same type of performance they had last year because that was a huge disappointment. Giannis did not perform very well in the playoffs or in that series against... Uh, was it Boston or the Sixers? No, Boston. Uh, it, it just, he, they, they need to need to kind of get it together. They need to show that they are the team of the future and they're, they're, they're a, a real finals threat. Because right now, a lot of people's picks are the Lakers or the Clippers. And there's that narrative around the Eastern Conference that it's not as strong, even though it is significantly better this year than it has been in years past. With all that being said, after all that rambling about MVPs and other shit like that, I think the edge, as much as I would say, I would like to say LeBron because 35 years old, he's averaging a double-double and his team's the second best team in basketball. The MVP should probably go to Giannis. I I mean, the numbers have improved. He is one of the most unstoppable forces in NBA history already at age 25. He's up there with like the lag, the likes of Shaq. Just a physically dominant freak of nature. He's 6'11", officially. Everyone says he's 7 feet, which, I mean, yes, okay, he is. Um... He's like a seven-footer, can run the floor, play make, has decent handles, is now at least a 
semi-respectable three-point shooter at 32%. Like, he makes you at least fear that he'll take a three-point jumper. More likely than not, he's going to miss, but he's he's made three-pointers. He's adapting. He's learning to shoot three-pointers, which is dangerous for him. If he becomes like a 35% three-point shooter, that is a huge problem for everybody else. Because then all of a sudden, he isn't just this slashing big man who tries to take it to the hoop, take it at your chest every single time. He could pull up for the three. That's a huge problem. And he's getting there. He's he's obviously working on it. It's obviously a huge part of his, his workout plan and how to get better. So he's improving away from the basket. And he's still a dominant... Like, you, he can... Post up on a big man, he'll just bully a he'll bully people smaller than him, and he'll finesse guys bigger than him. It's it's I I just don't know how you stop him. Although to be fair, Monday night Bam Adebayo did a hell of a job stopping him. I think the the MVP goes to to Giannis, but after this year, I think that's it. I think that might be it. If if the Bucks, he'll win back to backs, and then after that, it's just if the Bucks don't like make a significant push to the finals, then it kind of becomes like LeBron and Cleveland. LeBron won his two MVPs in Cleveland, but he could have very easily won a bunch of them before that, before his back to back MVPs. They finally gave it to him. And then in Miami, again, like, no one really came close to him in Miami. Uh, won the two there. And, you know, it just, it is it is what it is. You can't, like, LeBron is one of those guys where you could have said, okay, we're going to give you from, you know, when he won his first MVP to when he won, you know, uh, not even, like, I would say Curry's unanimous MVP year was... I mean, he deserved that. He was an absolute... He was disgusting. Um, I don't think he should have been unanimous, though. Shaq should have been the first unanimous MVP. LeBron also probably should have had a unanimous year in Miami, but both of them had one guy who didn't vote for them. And, of course, Curry's the guy who gets... Uh, whatever. I'm getting sidetracked. LeBron is a guy, much like Michael Jordan, who you could have looked at every year of his career and said, yeah, he could have probably won MVP. Well, exclude the first, like, three or four years of their careers. When they ended their primes, 25 years old to, you know, they could have won, like, five MVPs in a row if they really want. If if the voting was really fair, if they were like, okay, you are the best player in the league, and that's why you're winning MVP. Uh, LeBron should have more than four. But it doesn't work like that, obviously. Russell Westbrook deserved his MVP. James Harden deserved it. Curry deserved it. D. Rose deserved it, even though I think LeBron had better numbers. D. Rose deserved it. He had he was an amazing player. He was a highlight machine. So obviously there are other variables that go into winning MVP. I think LeBron I think Giannis wins this next one, and then it might be a couple years till till he wins another. That's all I'm saying. I also don't know if the Bucks are my pick to come out of the East. I really like Miami. Like, I really like Miami. I, I don't 
I'm not like super confident that are, are they a team that I look at them like they're they can win the finals? No. No. But could they upset the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, yes, man, yes. Bam Adebayo showed that he can bang with Giannis. Jimmy Butler is, I mean, he's got that killer instinct. I love Tyler Hero. Love him. I just, I don't know. I don't know. They, they Could they beat the Bucks? Sure. I think they could. Um, I, I just, I really like Miami. I do. I do. But it'd be foolish to pick anyone other than the Bucks to come out of the East. See how I just kind of talked myself into picking the Bucks again, even though I said I'm not sure if I want them to come out of the East? Or I'm not confident that they'll come out of the East? Kind of just talked myself into it. Uh, if I had to pick someone besides the Bucks, it'd be Miami, though. Put it that way. And I'm pulling for the Lakers, of course. And it, it really has nothing to do with how I like LeBron and how I like the Lakers. It has more to do with uh, winning it for Kobe, pretty much, and and honoring him and getting that championship for Kobe Bryant. Uh, yeah, that's it, it. Has more to do with that than than my fan my fandom for LeBron, for sure. I do think the MVP race is closer than everyone thinks it is, though. It's not a runaway. It's, I think it'll be close. We'll wrap it up with this segment real quick. Um, the MLB All Access Games. For you, for those of you who don't know, the MLB has for I think this is their second year actually, where in spring training they mic up two or three players, uh, or two players from each team, and these guys are mic'd up talking to the announcers, the play-by-play and color guy, in the booth while the game's going on. So the, last year we got a gem from Mookie Betts. And someone, he was in right field. Someone cranked the ball over the head, over his head. He's like, oh, I'm not getting this one, boys. And he goes sprinting after the ball, throws it in. Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant were mic'd up the other day. They were having a ball. Anthony Rizzo was telling stories about how he used to chirp at Chipper Jones. Um, he was at the plate, and he got a single, and he was like, ooh. Like, it, was, it was cool. It's very, very cool. It gives... Baseball players' personality for when people are like, okay, baseball players have no personality. They're not marketable. They're, they're not. You don't. They're not marketable like NFL and NBA players are, and that's why those sports are king right now. But they are. Baseball players are, are fun. It's cool to watch players interact with each other like that, mic'd up on the field. It gives you. It gives them more personality. It makes the game fun. And people are calling for it for for games to have this during the regular season. And in the playoffs, even. As much as I would love to have that to have these players mic'd up during real games, meaningful games, it's never going to happen. Spring training, these games don't matter. They're warm-ups. They're what these guys who are mic'd up. These star players who are mic'd up during spring training, they're just having fun. They're not in high-pressure situations. They don't care. They're just getting loose. They're having fun. It is what it is. If you had guys mic'd up during regular season games, that's one thing. To have them in playoff games, high-leverage situations in the playoff games, 
absolutely not. It'll never fly. Plus, if you have them in, in real games, games that matter, one one mix-up, one false move, a swear word, a curse, like, uh, bad language, an argument, people getting angry, like, that happens a lot in baseball. It's a failure sport. You're failing 70%, if you're failing 70% of the time, you're doing well. That's the kind of sport baseball is. So if you have these guys mic'd up in games that matter and they're failing, you're something bad's going to happen and then he, the plug's going to get pulled immediately. So I don't think players like they players want to guys especially the guys like Trevor Bauer has been very he tweeted out he met with Rob Manfred today. So he applauded him. He applauded Rob Manfred for being a man of his word and saying that any players that have questions can come meet with him. He met with him and they spoke about a bunch of things. That's really good. That's great progress. We want to see players. These baseball players in general are are open. They're they're very vocal about trying to get the younger generation involved because you see a lot of the younger generation. They all want to, you know, shoot threes from thirty five feet out. They all want to uh, be quarterbacks or wide receivers and make be these these star athletes. And it's the quickest way to make millions and millions of dollars. If you have the talent, the NFL and the NBA are quick ways to make millions and millions of dollars. The MLB, you know, you might have a little bit of of clout and stardom around you in college. If your college team is really good, you'll get national airtime and stuff like that. But after you get drafted, it's, I mean, you go pretty much dark for two, three years. That's if you're really good. I mean, if you're really, really good, you can. There are phenoms like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout that come up 19, 20 years old and immediately are superstars. Juan Soto is another guy like that, uh, more recent. So you have these guys that that come up and are like that, and can immediately establish themselves as you know superstars and marketable. Mike Trout, you don't see him in a lot of commercials. Bryce Harper, of course, he's in a bunch of commercials. He's He was on the cover of the show and what have you, but there are there are certainly marketing problems right now with the MLB and how they gain interest in the younger generation. It's certainly a problem. If Right now, if you're not born into a family that loves baseball, and respects baseball. You're you're not there are a lot of kids, a large population of kids just aren't going to pick it up on their own. I think I did for the I mean my dad grew up playing baseball and he he really liked baseball. Um so I'm sure he, he had a huge influence on me as far as starting to play baseball and watching it, but I I picked up watching baseball pretty young. Um, and I don't know if that's because, I, I assume it's probably because my dad had it on TV. But that that is something that I, I, I grew up with. I have a bunch of friends. They grew up playing football. A couple of them played basketball. Um, now, I, I do have friends that are very, very devoted to baseball like I am. And they're also Yankees fans. So they love the sport. They they also grew up playing the sport. Uh, but I also have a couple friends who have absolutely no interest in baseball whatsoever. They think it's boring. It's a dying sport. 
It's not fun to play, et cetera, et cetera. It is, it is a tremendous amount of fun to play, especially, <laughs> especially if you're good at it. If you're really bad at it, probably not that fun. But if you're good at it, it's a lot of fun. And it, it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I personally can't really see how, like, it's really up to the players, I feel like. Like, yes, does the MLB help try and, you know, market their players really well? No, they don't really do a good job of that. But I would like to see more commercials involving, like, like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers do the State Farm commercials. Why Can I see Mike Trout doing, like, a Geico commercial or something? Give me some big-name MLB player doing a, a commercial, like a popular commercial. That helps. That shit helps. Uh, you know, you see a handful of them doing... They'll do a Nike commercial or an Adidas commercial. Aaron Judge has a commercial. Uh, I obviously Bryce Harper. Like these are big name guys, of course. But when was the last time an MLB like an MLB player was on SNL? Jeter did SNL. That's pretty funny. He was pretty good in it. I would I would like to see someone else do SNL like that. Obviously, it's it's the season starting, so you're not gonna have guys doing that kind of stuff and in-season marketing is kind of tough obviously uh but in the offseason I don't know I just don't feel like you hear from NBA players you see NBA players going out and NBA NBA uh, NFL players going out I just it they're they're not NBA and NFL players are celebrities I feel like baseball players don't carry that kind of publicity and recognition, which is upsetting because they should. They're some of the best athletes in the world, MLB players. And you can look at me and say they're not more they're not more athletic than NFL players or NBA players. And I would look at you and say you might be wrong on that one. There are some there are a handful of MLB players that are definitely better athletes than NBA or NFL players. Only a handful. But, I mean, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Christian Yellow, I mean, MVP kind of guys. Mookie Betts. These are MVP caliber players. Actually, I believe every single player I just named has won an MVP. But MVP caliber players in the MLB are, they are some of the best athletes in the world. And you don't really know that unless you're watching baseball. The fixing of baseball is of the utmost importance to Rob Manfred. It has to be. And I'm not speaking for him, obviously, but it has to be of the utmost importance to him. Because baseball is America's pastime. You, MLB, the NBA and the NFL, they have the numbers right now. They are... They are kings of the world. They are the most popular sports in the world because they're easy to watch. So they say. People say NFL has a lot of action. There's like 10 minutes total of of actual NFL play. Just saying. So if you call baseball boring because nothing happens, a lot of nothing happens in the NFL too. However, when every play involves people hitting each other and tackling each other, yeah, it's probably a lot more entertaining than just watching pitchers. But I like... 
the intensity of baseball. The tension that comes with each pitch is, I mean, it is an art of a game. It's beautiful to watch. And I'm not going to sit here. I could sit here for the next another hour talking about why baseball is amazing. I'm not going to do that. However, all I'm saying is baseball is America's pastime. It needs to get back in front of people's televisions. People need, it, it needs to market itself to where, wow, this game's on tonight between these two teams. It, it needs to be marketed like that. Where, yes, you have Sunday night baseball, and you have games on TBS and stuff. It, it just doesn't feel like it's made as big of a deal as football and basketball. Now, granted, football is a lot more intense, so once, you know what, forget it. I'm not, I'm not going through all this. I'm not going through all this. It's, uh, it's too much. All I'm saying is that baseball needs to be put back on the front of America's minds because it is becoming underappreciated and it shouldn't be. And I think MLB players are really starting to recognize that, that they're losing a lot of, lot of clout to NFL and NBA players. All right, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. I kind of got, I almost got really, really, really sidetracked there at the end, but I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. Daylight savings time on Sunday. Starting to get light air out, baby. You love to see it. So have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Yeah.